you aren't your parenting and you aren't the mistakes that you make. And that's the game that parents are in and we as a ministry long to be side by side with them. Listening to 1A, a podcast from First Presbyterian Church, Episode 4. We bring to a conclusion our interview with Brad Anderson and David Henderson as we continue our series on the topic of desire. In our episode today, we look at how students encourage one another, the critical skill of scripture memorization, and God's singing voice. I'm Josh Squires, the Minister of Counseling and Congregational Care here at First Pres. Welcome to the 1A, a podcast designed to look at how to apply biblical principles in our day-to-day lives. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. We hope this ministry is a blessing to you and those around you. For more information, you can check us out at our website, which is firstprescolumbia.org forward slash 1A. That's firstprescolumbia.org forward slash 1A. You can find the first part of this interview there, as well as the first few episodes. Today, you'll hear David Henderson's voice first as he responds, and then Brad Anderson. I want to encourage you to email us, to call us, or contact us on Twitter with any questions or comments that you have. We'd love to do a feedback episode soon where all we do is answer your questions, but we need them first. In the meantime, let's get back to our interview. If we have students who want to help each other in this regard as they try to be more like Jesus to the world around, what advice would you give to those trying to be burden bearers for one another? Well, I think uh, I had a friend in college who would call me every now and then and say, man, I'm having a hard time. Tell me the truth. And I do think that that's the starting point is what's the truth of the gospel? Speak words of life over each other. Speak the truth over each other. I can tell you men I encounter who are just desperate for encouragement. Uh, They just they don't believe they're worth much. They don't believe God could love them the way he loves them. They don't understand grace. Uh, and I and I walk through those valleys myself. And what I need is the truth washed over me. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Hebrews talks about the, the the ground that often receives the water that comes from heaven, uh, and and that our hearts should often receive the grace that rains down on us from heaven. And how do we often receive that? We we speak it in each other's lives. We speak the word in each other's lives. We sit under the word at church. Um, bringing each other to those kinds of avenues and speaking the truth to one another in love, encouraging one another, edifying one another. I think of how much our culture, and especially men, and I, and I fall victim to this. We, we love to tear one another down or, or, um, or be sarcastic with one another. I, I'm not a proponent that that's all evil uh, sarcasm. <laughs> but nonetheless, the Scripture talks about um, the edifying one another and the idea there of building one another up so much so that if, one of you let go, the whole the whole thing would fall down. We have that we have that opportunity, we have that privilege to uh, to look for words of good. Tim Keller talks about uh, finding the good, finding opportunities to speak good over people, uh, and say, "Man, you're really good at this," or "God's really I've seen God in you in this way." Um, so speaking the truth in love from the Word, and also speaking that into people's souls. Uh, by encouraging them and who they are in in Christ and what God has done to them and even how He's wired them and the blessing of the way He's made them, so I think a lot of it has to do with with finding ways to be encouragers and not people who tell, tear each other down 
among other things like get plugged in, sit under the word, pray with people, ha- you know, those kinds of things as well. But I think for me, it starts with building each other up in love by speaking truth over each one over one another. Yeah, when when you're in youth ministry and you're dealing, you know, specifically with kids between sixth and twelfth grade. Those are just amazingly developmental years. Uh, sixth graders just have this concrete way of thinking. It's hard to get any abstraction out of them. Whereas by the time they're in, well, by the time they're even in eighth grade, there's, there's more, more there. So when, when we, uh, on our end of things, when we're trying to encourage, uh, or build systems of encouragement, uh, which are very true, uh, it is something where, uh, we have to point to specific things and, you know, like I said, having a rhythm of the week. Do parents do that? Do I do that? Can I point them to that? And then, hey, I need to encourage my friend. I don't, I haven't memorized enough scripture. I don't know what this psalm says. I don't know what Jesus says about this. Brad just mentioned scripture memorization, and that is key, especially when we're trying to fight temptation and desire. I think one of the reasons why our generation is so impulsive, that is, we give in to our desire so often, is because we don't have that much scripture memorized. We don't have many tools that we can draw on that shape our desires and make them word-shaped rather than world-shaped. The fight against temptation and desire is really a millisecond battle, not a minute-long battle. When my kids are fighting or they're being loud and I'm tempted to respond to them out of frustration and anger, it's difficult for me to pull the car aside or to uh, find my Bible and to begin to review it and look for scriptures on patience, on being a good father. And yet if I have the fruits of the Spirit memorized, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, I'll be able to recall in that moment that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I'll be able to apply that word to my heart and to my mind. And I still need to get on to them. They can't just be as rebunctious as they want to be. But I'll try to do it in such a way that reflects those key elements. The only way I can do that is by having that scripture memorized and being able to recall it in that moment. The two objections I get most often is how and what. How is it that I'm supposed to memorize scripture? People think, especially in this day and age where you can look something up online in a second, they think they're not good at memorizing. And to be honest, they're not because they haven't had to do it before. But it doesn't mean that they'll always be bad at it. And just like any skill, the way you get better at it is by practicing. So, What do you memorize? Well, find verses that speak to you where you are. Are you having problems with faith? Then memorize some scripture on assurance. Are you having problems with your relationship as a parent? Then memorize some scriptures on parenting. Or as a spouse, then memorize some scriptures on being a spouse. Find scriptures that speak to you. Or there are plenty of systems out there. I I would really recommend the Navigator system. You can go online and you can find it. But the Navigators have an entire system of scripture that you can memorize. The man who started the Navigators, he actually drove a delivery truck for three years. And every day he decided to memorize a new verse of scripture. And over those three years, he memorized nearly a thousand pieces of scripture. 
And yet here we are today, and for most people listening, I would think they may only have one or two. Yet as I've said, scripture memory is key in the fight to desire. So let you and I hold each other accountable and be those who would memorize the word, that it might be able to do its work instantaneously on our hearts at the moment we need it most. But I do know we have a system, uh, and you know, you know, Mr. Sohn says having a group of guys over on Wednesday night, and I just, mm-hmm. I need to be there. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to encourage this friend to go, and I'm going to be there for him to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, we've got, you know, Sunday worship, and, you know, I don't always get it, but I know there are a lot of words there that I need to hear. And mm-hmm. so it is a sense, you know, we want to encourage our students um, to be able to point to places to go and then develop through these years of adolescence words by which they can use and things they could be founded in in order to share. So it's uh, I mean, it's much like a, a human body. You have a skeleton, you have a system that works rigidly, and you're trying to develop and tone the muscles mm. so that it can be, be worked out properly, even in these hopefully intimate uh, friendships. I mean, even in our youth group now, there's just a group of guys who truly, they do love each other. They love each other a whole lot. You know, but do they really speak the gospel to one another that well? I don't know. But they do all make sure that each other are at certain youth events here or something that's going on in the neighborhood. And so these building blocks, uh, in order to get to a place like David was talking to, to say, you know, hey, how, let me encourage you here. Let me give you this good word. Uh, we want to build in them, um, a, a sense of rhythm, a sense of understanding as they grow up. So they become these, these men of wisdom, women of, of wisdom as well, mm. uh, to be who they need to be to their friends. As we're speaking of encouragement, any words of encouragement, either for parents or for the students themselves? On the ministry side, I, in any sense, it's hard to give you know, straight advice to parents about being parents. I'm young. I don't think I get to speak about parenting specifically for another 30 years. You know, we just, we don't know what it's going to be like. Uh, but I can't help but go back and to what we said at the beginning. It's like, you know, there's your concerns. There, there's nothing new. It's new in your life. Uh, but there, there's a place, uh, to go to and that's scripture to, to be steeped in, uh, the peace that hopefully you have in, in Jesus and in our Lord. Uh, you need to develop patience with your child and, and thankfully the Lord throughout eternity <laughs> loved us. Uh, with his own love. And as Deuteronomy 7 says, you know, I love Israel just because I love Israel. And I saved them because I wanted to save them. And uh, hopefully we can help give parents um, a broad picture on, on patience and peace when it comes to these desires. Because Israel, they wanted to go back to slavery. And they liked the cucumbers they had back in Egypt and, and forgot all all the bad stuff. And uh, And so the Lord dealt patiently and long sufferingly with his people and that's the game that parents are in and we as a ministry long to be side by side with them Uh, and that's what the body of christ is for parents aren't alone if you're a believer you have a family Uh, don't isolate yourself to one another don't feel like being vulnerable with another parent means you've lost the parenting game Mm. you're bettering your game by being in the community of faith that, that you're in. So encourage one another, lift each other up and use the resources that are at your hand, but don't lose, don't lose hope. 
what you see now is not the end result. It's just mm-hmm. part of who your child is becoming. And the Lord has placed you there to minister to them and, and, and raise up his children. Uh, so don't lose hope. There's no need to lose hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think of what Paul told the Corinthians that uh, he who knew no sin became sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Mm-hmm. Uh and then Zephaniah 3.17 that says that God delights over us with loud singing. You know, it, it takes a lot of joy to sing over something loudly. Um, you know, maybe when you're in the shower and you, and you let loose with your singing. Uh, you typically don't do that when you're in a, an extremely melancholic state. Um, to think of God that way, uh, that he, that, that it, you aren't your parenting and you aren't the mistakes that you make on a college campus or in high school or in, in the youth mm-hmm. department. You are who God says you are. Um, and if you believe in Jesus, uh, that he He lived the life you couldn't, died the death you deserve, and rose from the dead, if you believe that truth, you actually are covered in the robe of righteousness. I often ask students, what do you do with your shame? Uh, and, you, and you'll get a variety of answers, and I think you could ask this of anybody, but I try to outweigh them with my bad. I... Uh, I don't think about them. I don't go there. I'm not that bad of a person. But it all comes to uh, doing more good than evil. Uh, and, and it leads to a place of, of no assurance and no hope. And and the Bible says that uh, your shame is covered because of Christ. In fact, Adam and Eve, when they first sinned, what did God do? What did they do? They tried to clothe their shame. They felt it. And then God says that that those fig leaves won't cut it. Here's here's slaughtered blood. It's going to take blood to cover your shame. And here's the skin of a deer. But even that's foreshadowing. My son is going to be the perfect uh, sacrifice for your sin. His blood's going to cover your shame, and his righteous robe will cover you, so that when I look at you, you're no longer guilty. You're you're declared righteous in my sight. You're not the accumulation of your brokenness, or the accumulation of your sin, the accumulation of your foolishness, what you name it. You are who I say you are. And if you believe in Jesus, you're covered in the righteous robe of Christ and mm. you're made righteous. And I delight over you with loud singing. I mm. sing over you. My face towards you mm. is not a scowl. I often ask students that. What do you when you picture if God had a face, what would it look like towards you? Mm. And I've almost never gotten one that said he's smiling. Mm. Our view of God uh, affects how we live. Mm. And he delights over us with loud singing. Mm. And to me, that, that puts a restedness in my soul that I have to keep going back to. Uh, as a parent, as a person, as a husband, as a as whatever. Um, and rest in those truths, whether I feel them or not. Mm. Because they're true. You've been listening to 1A, a counseling ministry of First Presbyterian Church. We encourage you to listen to all of our episodes, which you can find on our webpage, which is firstpreszcolumbia.org forward slash 1A. You can also check us out on all your favorite podcast applications, such as iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, then subscribe. Also, don't forget to tell your friends and family about us as well. If you have comments, questions, or an issue that you'd like us to wrestle with, contact us. You can contact us via email at 1A at firstpreszcolumbia.org. That's 1A at firstpreszcolumbia.org. Or on Twitter, at 1A Podcast. That's at 1A Podcast. Or you can call us by phone, 803-281-1795. That's 803-281-1795. 
We look forward to seeing you next week and hope that this material has helped you to live out the gospel for each other and for the kingdom. Until then, God bless.